Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bottle Crow, a Dota 2 podcast. My name is Colin Detmar of Scanline Media, and I'm here with Johnny Niska of Score Attack. Hello. I guess I don't get to introduce myself now. Well, you've, you've proved yourself in the past, in the unrecorded past, unreliable. So I'll just take care of it. In the, in the alternate non-canon universe. Uh, besides, you're a Dota 1 player. You can't trust Dota 1 players. I, I'm an ex-Dota 1 player. That's an important distinction. You certainly can't trust the ones who are still playing Dota 1. But can you trust the ones that played Dota 1 and then betrayed Dota 1 in favor of Dota 2? There was no betrayal. Dota 1 was perfectly aware of how much it sucked. Well, with that, undeniable fact established. <sighs> Welcome to episode 2, guys. Uh, yeah, we were cared enough to do an episode 2. We'll try and keep this going. Um, and... I'm pretty excited. I don't know. Um, I like doing podcasts. I like doing podcasts about things that I have some level of interest and knowledge about. Otherwise, I just feel like an idiot. (laughs) And certainly, I have no Dota skill, but I kind of know stuff about the game. Kind of. We kind of have a degree of knowledge. The degree of knowledge that it is impossible to not pick up after this many hours. We have enough knowledge to have opinions on the fact that Navi recently dropped their team leader and support player Goblock from the team. Yeah, you- I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not sure why they... Okay, like, if they had said that they wanted to demote him from team leader and make someone else team leader, I would have probably been behind that move. Well, I mean, if you're going to... Goldblatt is there to be a team leader. Like, he was... He is a player, and I, he's certainly not a bad player. I think he's fairly skilled, but he has always been more notable for his leadership ability than his play. He is not a person who you keep around if he's not leader, I think. Um, The thing is that he was a really good leader. I thought... I mean, you know, obviously, we're we're both outsiders. We didn't... I mean, we have not been on Navi, but... No, we have not. The thing I would like to note is that their picking has been noticeably worse with him at the helm than they, than it has been before. Their actual hmm. in-match play has been excellent. Well, their in-match play, I would say, has been inconsistent. Um, it's been pretty good, but I mean, Navi has always been a team that is really morale-based, right? Yes. And games where they don't seem to have very good morale, they play badly. You can see the games where Dendi just feeds like crazy. Um, and that's that's nothing new. They go on um, tilt when they lose, sometimes. Yeah. And I guess since you mentioned it, I mean, I've seen, like, there was a game in DAC where Dendi was playing Earthshaker mid. You know, the, the classic crit shaker build. And classic. I was just... I, that's yeah. I was just baffled by that. Like, crit did they, shaker. Did they not t- give a shit about that game or something? It's like, <laughs> I mean, like crit shaker to me. Like I, crit Earthshaker is my best hero. It doesn't mean I'm good, but Earthshaker is my best hero and probably the hero I know the most about using. And in my non-professional scrub opinion, 
crit shaker is something you do when you're playing earth shaker and you notice that your carries aren't pulling their weight and you need to step it up you don't start out planning to be a crit shaker unless you're fucking around the the exception i would think is that if you look at your team setup and go we got outpicked our carries are gonna be worthless i need to do this yeah yeah and i mean like but in (laughs) still i mean it's not that good no no and it's i'd like and there wasn't much of an adjustment when he i mean he was playing mid and he just got destroyed and there was no adjustment of like well let's take him out of mid and put someone else in it was not it was not well played and it was not very well picked um but i feel like part of the problem is just navi's ego frankly like Havost is an infamously hard to work with carry. He's very skilled. He's very proud. He's very cocky. It took a long time for Puppy to get to the point where Havost would listen to him and actually, you know, do what he said. And you see Havost going in situations where he has no business going in. He is one of the greediest players I have ever seen. When he's at his best, he is probably the best player I have ever seen. But he does not have the consistency. No, I mean, his greed his greed knows no limits, and sometimes that's an incredible thing. Sometimes you see his troll go up against three people and kill them all and walk away. Which And I, sometimes... I, that's my no. style of Dota. That's what, what I play Dota for. That's what I watch Dota for. I love that shit. But it's, you need to have... If the team leader can't... If he doesn't listen to the team leader, if the team leader is making the call that, no, this doesn't work, don't do this... Then that's a problem. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, like... Okay, so at this point, like, they recently lost Funic as well. um, Which, frankly, I I actually agree with that call. Funic... Funic used to be incredible with their old strategies. Yeah, I haven't seen much out of him lately, I think. No, no, I feel like he's just been... I don't know if he's just going through a phase or if it's just like he can't keep up with the current meta, but he's just not not been his old self for quite some time. Um, I mean, I think it's I think it would be fair to say that the entire team wasn't hasn't been their own self since TI3. Well, I mean, like you totally you totally see moments of Havost's genius. You totally see, and I fewer, but you see moments of Dendi just, you know, doing his thing and kicking ass. I just, like, at this point, I don't know what Na'Vi as a team is. They're is it just, old is champions it just... who, like, okay, let, let's talk of out of our ass and psychoanalyze this team, okay? They're uh, old champions who don't care enough anymore after they, like, they, they fought hard and they won and they don't seem to give enough of a shit anymore. And I mean, like, they're, like, if I have checked, I checked during DAC, their merchandise is selling out constantly, even as they're sucking pretty badly. And I say that as as a top-tier team. Obviously, obviously they're still extremely skilled, but they can't, I mean, they're not going to win championships in their current form, and yet their merchandise is still selling like crazy. Their, like, their sets on the workshop are still selling like crazy. They're making a lot of money so i guess there's no real i mean not like there's no real reason but there is not enough of a reason for them to try really hard and really get fucking serious 
they're not hungry enough anymore. I, I think it's honestly that simple. That That's why the, their old lineup fell apart. That's why this old, and their old lineups falling apart is why things are like they are now. Having to readjust to new lineups and still not caring enough, really. Yeah. That, that's uh, like I my guess, at least. I, I shouldn't say that I know this for a fact, but just looking at them, that's my guess. I mean, I don't know, like, do you feel like it's a thing that could be fixed by the changing teams, by, like, Dendi and Havost going somewhere else, probably separately, because I bet if they go together, they are enough of the heart of Navi that they will take it with them, or is it just, like, those players just, it's probably impossible to make them care anymore? I wouldn't say impossible, but that's up to them, and I don't think that has... I don't think that's anything any of us can know before it happens. Well, sure. I mean, none of this is anything we can know. The whole point of us talking here is to guess randomly out of our asses based on Yeah, bullshit. but like, I don't think there's any any way to even guess that. That That's right. all such internal shit that you can't even really tell before it happens. Yeah. It's easier to analyze into the past than into the future. And... I don't know, like, there's certainly an argument to be made that if you're in a rut, then maybe changing things up is just for the better. And I definitely think that if that's the goal, then it, then they end have us going to the same team, they would just take that team over. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the other thing is that there's been way too much reshuffling in the pro scene of late. There's been a psychotic amount of, pro- pro- of reshuffling in the pro scene. Yeah, for the last two years or so, there's been just insane amounts of it. And, like, I mean, I don't know. I was listening to that uh, that podcast, that rival podcast, Dota Today, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, who we're a serious competition with, and they're very intimidated by us. Yes, um, I'm sure they even know who we are. <laughs> I would be so scared. Um <laughs> <laughs> so I was listening to the Dota Today where they did an interview with Aoi2000, uh, formerly of Cloud9, recently, of course, of uh, Evil Geniuses, and he said that he didn't think stability was that important. He said, like, you know, obviously it has, you know, it has some degree of importance, but the community places way too much value on it. And speaking as a player, I can see why he would say that. Why, like, oh no, it's like if we if we start playing together and practice together, we'll mesh in no time. But it's not entirely about performance. It's about branding. It's about people who are watching and paying your salaries giving a shit. Yeah, uh, stability is hugely important for the scene, for anyone to give a damn. It's important to fo- it's, it's important to be able to follow it. And if you can't follow it, it's very unlikely that you're going to watch any of it. Yeah. I and just like in in the end, like their their price pools are paid out of ad money and companion purchases. Yeah. And you know, the various the various tickets with item sets, which I mean we're we're also blending into another thing that I wanted to talk about, which is Vlat. I might not be pronouncing that right because it's got a fucking number in it. How am I supposed to pronounce that? V one lat. Um but he made some very public comments in an interview about how the Dota scene at this rate will be dead by the end of next year, which is just a bunch of nonsense. But, like, I see 
I think it's hyperbolic and kind of attention-getting and stupid, a lot of what he said. But there is a decent point at the core of it, which is a couple of things. One, the Dota TV tickets are kind of worthless because you don't get anything you don't get watching from Twitch. The only thing you could possibly get is cosmetics. Two, the teams are constantly reshuffling and thus no teams have a set identity and it's hard for people to cheer for stuff. And three, the scene is overall such a mess that it is a pain in the ass to keep track of what's even happening. All of those things are true. Two out of those things have been true forever, basically. The shuffling lately has been crazy, partly because there's so many big teams who are in the spotlight constantly, and you notice it so much more when you're trying to follow it on the scale that people are now. But the Dota scene has survived so many years of being, like, negligible prize pots. Before Dota 2, like, the game was still played by many of these teams who play it professionally now. Well, it's a lot easier to get bigger than it is to get smaller. Now that the Dota 2 community, the pro community, has gotten to this size, if it were to need to shrink again because there are too many tournaments and it's unsustainable, that would be a fucking shit show. A bit, but honestly, I don't think it would ever need to shrink that much. And it's... The audience is here, the audience is interested, and the audience has been interested all this time, despite it being a shit show all this time. And it's only gotten more. Like, the viewership numbers go up year by year. Compendium sales go up year by year. There are huge problems in the scene, but I don't think they spell doom. They do spell this could be better, and you could make even more money. But I don't think they spell spell doom at all. We're even close to it. I think Doom is Doom from the outset. I think we both agree that it's spelling Doom is hyperbolic and a little absurd. However, like tournaments like Star Ladder, like Beyond the Summit, like Dota Pit League are going to be in trouble the way things are because like, okay, the international will always be fine. A tournament the size of DAC with some semi-official valve support will always be fine. But these tournaments that you barely know when they are and you don't know if they're important or not, you don't know what teams will show, you don't know if they're taking them seriously, you don't know if they're going to be a mess of disconnection issues and people cheating through spectating. It's just a mess right now. Yeah. Online tournaments do not work with this amount of price pool, this high price pool. Yeah, it's. I mean, that cheating, like... Maybe the cheating, the spectating cheating has been happening all along, and I didn't know this. But to me, it seems like it's been like a spike lately of just people like you can, you know, you can disconnect from a game like, oh, no, sorry, technical issues. You can reconnect to spectate your own game without reconnecting to see where the enemy team has wards and then reconnect. Oh, sorry, my connection issues. Obviously, a lot of players have enough decency or at least fear of being caught that they will not do this but some of them will some and of we them don't will. have a fix and it's happened in the past there are certainly more incentives to do so now very much yeah. stronger incentives to do so now and it's no small 
changed also the addition of techies. Like, if you're up against a techies, that's an incredible strategy. Yeah, but I, I don't think that's I don't think that's the reason the price pool increases. Oh are. no, I think I I don't think so either. But I think like I mean, it is very valuable to know where an enemy team's wards are. It could certainly win the game for you. Definitely. But, but like, if we're gonna go race to the bottom mentality, right? Like. If you disconnect and check their wards, they could disconnect and check yours. But if one team has a techies, that team is going to be measurably more fucked by that outcome. Yeah, this is true. But... Yeah, I, you're not wrong. I just think it's such a binary point compared to all the other shit going on in this. Sure, sure. I just want to point out every element of how screwed up this is. It's... It's screwed up that we we don't have harsh enough controls about this. Like, one way you can check that is that every time someone disconnects, you make sure that every player in the game has the... has a... like... Someone who someone needs to be attached to every game who keeps track of rules and tries to stop cheating. That person needs to have every player in the game on his friends list. So that yeah. when, if he... If someone disconnects, he can pop out into the menu and check if they end up spectating a game. Yeah, that seems like a pretty no-brainer solution. And if they're caught, kick them out forever. There was a team, I think, I don't totally know the circumstances, but it's team... I'm going to have to check, but there was a team that, that I believe did this recently, and Valve officially announced, like, no, no Valve sponsored tournaments you will ever be at ever again. There have been several teams who have done this recently, and several of them have gotten away with punishments, but not harsh enough. I don't... The the case I'm thinking of are, like, two months ago, so I can't name names or specific circumstances, but I remember them getting, like, warnings and stuff, and it's like, no, this is... This is a lot more than a warning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think until the full extent of how prevalent it is is known, I think banning like lifetime bans is maybe a little much, but I think fa- I think it would be totally fair to say the next international and DAC, no, you can't come. Because that is a massive blow to any team. Immediate disqualification from the tournament is happening. Happening. Uh, this automatic disqualification from the next year of that tournament, and automatic disqualification for any official Valve run events. I concur. That sounds good to me. Yeah. I just like. I have barely watched any pro Dota since DAC because it's been just one issue and after another, whether it's people cheating or not even understanding what tournaments are worth watching or being The second like, of those is just a constant fucking issue. Or like like Aoi 2000 sort of joked around with it during that, that interview I mentioned on Dota Today and went back and forth on whether he was being serious or not. But I totally believe he was, or at least that there was truth to it, of the idea that EG is not taking tournaments seriously right now. They're kind of fucking around. They're no, not totally. like, like I mean, they're not like they're not like throwing, 
but they're certainly not putting 100% in because why the fuck should they? He was totally being hyperbolic about it, but there was a grain of truth to the matter. They don't take it as serious as they would because they just won a big thing. <laughs> they're, they're taking the time, some time off before they start preparing for the next big thing. Right. And I feel like they should, like... Being a team as they are who has a chance at winning the big things, I do not think their strategy is necessarily wrong. No, but I don't think they should feel any pressure to show up if they're not really going to try, you know? Because they do feel pressure to show up. Like... I kind of agree. I kind of agree. Like, I think if EG is like, we won DAC, we are getting invited to the international, and we don't really care about tournaments in between here and then, except for maybe a couple to stay in shape. I think I think it should be like a sort of an obvious choice that no one has a problem with for them to say, so we're just not going to go to very many tournaments. Well, I think maybe even if you aren't taking it super seriously, it's worth joining them just to see changes in the metagame, just to experience different lineups and stuff. Like, there's always some data that can be gathered out of that, even if you're not playing super seriously. That's a fair point. And, yeah, I don't know. Like, he said that as much in the interview as well, that they're basically playing like if they were playing uh, 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 scrims. And what did he, did he say they do during scrims? They practice lineups. They practice strategies. Yeah. So, and I, I, I don't know. Like, and definitely if they f- do feel pressure to show up just to show up, I think that's a bit silly. But, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so what do you think... I don't know. I mean, the International Five, which, by the way, I will mention very quickly, there's not too much to say about it, but Valve needs to come up with a better ticket solution for next year because it's just scalper paradise. Um, Tickets sold out, I believe, within minutes of going on sale, and then there are hundreds of eBay things of people being like $400 for this tournament ticket. And it seems like the obvious thing is just link it to an ID or something to according, keep people from doing this. According to our Dota 2, you... It's, some people quoted a minute. That is absurd. And yeah, they definitely need to do something about scalpers. I don't know enough about such systems to know what actually works in the end. I don't totally... Like, I know that there are systems that work. <laughs> I will leave it at that, my because I don't know more than that. But I know, like at least in the music industry, there are systems they have come up with that work. And Valve needs to fucking look into that shit because yeah, the international it, is certainly hot enough. It's time. Last year was time. Yeah. And that's Valve, like Valve in a fucking nutshell. Nobody at Valve is go- cares about doing that, so it won't happen. Yeah, Valve. I mean. I appreciate the merit of their the way they organize their their studio where everybody for ostensibly works on projects they care about though I think there's also a decent amount of peer pressure for it, sure. Uh, definitely. Oh, totally. Like I I don't think anyone denies that even Valve themselves. But put it this way, I think there was more merit to that when they were more of a, just a game developer instead of running world's biggest PC gaming distribution and a huge esports organization around this game. 
Yeah, I mean, like, when you have, like, when you have that attitude and no one, like, it's just like, oh, nobody seems interested in running fucking, you know, customer support. Too fucking bad. Time to hire someone to do that. Yeah. No, and, totally. Uh, like, yeah, you have, they have responsibilities now that they did not have when they set up that, uh, that team structure. Yeah, and I mean, frankly, like, Dota 1 already had a bit of a pro scene before Dota 2 existed. When they made Dota 2, they should have known what they were getting into and fucking taken the initiative. But what they did instead was that they looked at how disorganized the Dota 2 pro scene went, was and went, well, I guess it works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, are, there are not many things I will praise Riot for, but at least they, ha- they are proactive about their esports stuff. I don't know that I like the details about the ways they are proactive about it, but I like that they are at least trying. Yeah. Well, alright, let's move on along to our next topic, which is actually going to be some nice storytelling. Are you oh, excited? No. Uh, kind of. What do, do have you had prepared? <laughs> Today we're going to talk about our lore of the week. This week we have Sniper of the Keen Folk. That is the name of the race he is from. So Sniper is a sniper from a mountain village of Keen Folk. And in this village there is a prophecy that one day there will be a sniper who shoots, who snipes, excuse me, with such incredible precision that he will save the world or something it's really not clear it's just sort of there's a prophecy that there's someone who's going to be really good at shooting and that will be really cool in a sniper village yes wow in a sniper village there will be a super sniper who is the sniper jesus and uh sniper is the best one around and he's going around and one day he goes hunting and he shoots a shot that's so perfect that everyone's like oh my god you must be the one the prophecy spoke of you must go and walk the earth and show everyone the ways of sniping. That is his entire story. Is that not also basically the backstory for the end in Metal Gear Solid 3? No. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> I had nowhere you. else to go with that. Where that so God damn it, Johnny. God damn it. <laughs> <sighs> There's no fucking prophecy in the... You're an asshole. (laughs) I just... I just thought that, like, he's the father of modern sniping. It just means that he established techniques that everyone else uses, Johnny. He walked the earth and showed everyone how to snipe. (sighs) He bore bullets for our sins. Ah. (laughs) I'm so glad I got to do that (laughs) We're gonna move on before I hit you You can't hit me I know I know (sighs) So we are now on patch 6.83c And uh, I highly doubt that they're going to go to a D I would more suspect that we're gonna get a 6.84 or, I guess, possibly 7.0 if they push Source 2 first. 
but whatever it is, we're going to get a patch that makes actual balance changes soon. What do you think should be seen as far as hero and item balance? Oh, God. I... I think Sniper needs to become less easy to play at a low skill level. Like, they need to they need to do more. Yeah. Yeah, I think Sniper, like... The Sniper Shrapnel change, I think, is a great change as far as how he plays. Yeah. But it's so fucking good. It is. They, they maybe need to nerf the numbers. It's well, like... <laughs> I, I would rather they nerfed everything else about him. Like, that is the one thing. Like, I genuinely think it's... it's it's I think the level of usefulness of it is great. And I think the way it works is great. And I think it's a button for him to hit when all he does is fucking right-click. The problem is that in combination with the fact that he's already a super hard right-click carry with insane range, and that fucking bullshit headshot is just too good. I, I would be okay with removing headshot entirely. I I don't think you can. I, I You will obviously replace it with something. I don't know what. Yeah. I mean, I guess... Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know what part of his toolkit you change. I think you have to leave... Like, I I would like it if you left Shrapnel as is, because I genuinely like it a lot. I do think Headshot is kind of bullshit, but I also think it's so iconic Sniper that I have trouble seeing it replaced. Obviously, his range buff is kind of what makes him work. If you take that away, he's just going to be in the middle of every fight and get killed. It's what makes him Sniper, I think. Yeah, and then his ultimate is not the problem. No, it can be frustrating, but it's it's not the problem. I if if the point of this podcast is for us to make idiots of ourselves, let me just throw out a suggestion out of my ass here. Go for it. Give him some kind of camouflage ability where he can stand still and shoot while invisible. You are out of your fucking mind. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> that is worse than my goddamn Phantom Lancer idea. You are a psychopath. <laughs> Maybe you could also let him absorb the sun to heal himself. Well, I mean, I, I, I think if you hear my reasoning, you will be convinced. I'm sure. It will make him more like the end. You know, I kind of thought that would be your fucking reasoning. <laughs> That's not actually the reason, I just think it fits thematically with being a sniper. I mean, it fit, fits thematically with being a sniper, but one, people already build Shadowblade on him a fair bit, though Blink Dagger is better. Um, two, he doesn't need to be a stealth hero. He doesn't and need to be, but I mean, you need to give him another ability. <laughs> like, he... He wouldn't get to move while stealthed, is the thing I would get. I, sure, and I get that. And I mean, well, okay, there is a hero in League of Legends called Teemo, who has a stealth ability that basically works like this. If you stand still for a certain period of time, not very long, you will turn invisible. Any action you take will reveal yourself. Obviously, that is not good enough for Sniper, 
but I think allowing him to remain stealth while just shooting constantly to a hero with that toolkit he already has would be too good. Well, I mean, I don't know, maybe make it a very low duration with a long cooldown or something. I mean, there is no hero in the game currently who can stay stealth while right-clicking unless you count someone who's been Oracle ulted. There's no one in the game who can do that. Exactly. It would be a new, unique ability. For a hero who's already really good. Yes. So unique does not problem. mean OP automatically. You can tune it. I don't... Okay. I don't think it's actually a great suggestion. It's just the best one I have right now. All right. <laughs> I mean, the one, the one thing actually... You know the one thing I would like to see, and it would be it would make fr- fr- sniper possibly more frustrating to fight. But I would like to see kind of like a version of Drowsult on him, where his uh, his take aim, you know, like his passive range boost, also had an element where his damage fell off as you got closer, and not like not like in a pure like binary thing like Drowse. More like a percentage thing, like a progressive. Okay. That would be a nerf, yes? It would be a nerf. It would be a way to reinforce how he is currently supposed to be played, which is staying at a long range from a fight. But it would also mean that if you got up on him, you could fucking do something about it, and it wouldn't really be... Like, I mean... Sniper right now, if you get up on him immediately, he's screwed. But if he's shooting you all the way there, probably you're fucked. You don't only need to get up, up on him immediately, you need to do it with a hero that hits hard enough and has enough health that uh, that headshot doesn't fuck you. Yeah, yeah. And I think we could, well, I mean, maybe that's the other thing you could do, is you could just make that and change the headshot instead, where headshot has a progressively lower chance of occurring the closer you get to if, him. If headshot can't pro- proc in melee range, I suddenly hate this hero a lot less. Put it that I mean, way. Also, I don't know if you've ever tried headshotting someone. Well, let, uh, let's talk video games, because obviously I don't think either of us have ever shot a man before. No. But pulling off a headshot when someone is, like, swinging a sword at you from two feet away is actually kind of fucking hard. It would probably be really hard in real life, yes. It'd be even harder in real life. Yeah. So I think that is a change I could get behind. I still think headshot is a thematically really dumb ability. I well, shot him in the head so he's slower. But Johnny, it's the prophecy. Does the prophecy, prophecy say that when he shoots someone in the head, instead of dying, they just get slowed? Well, originally the prophecy said that when he shot someone in the head, they were they undergod what is called a mini stun. But then the prophecy <laughs> got patched. <laughs> You're worse than me. Well, I have my own my own methods. Uh, I personally would like to see a small nerf to Juggernaut. I'm not specific as to what. Um, he's. I mean, I don't feel like there's any ele- element of him that is gross. He's just a little too powerful right now. Um, and maybe this is just because I'm a scrub. But boy, I would like it if Axe had a little less base health regen. I would like it if Axe couldn't just cut the lane and anyone who isn't, who doesn't know exactly what to do against it is just fucked. 
I mean, like, I think cutting the lane is a cool strategy and should be valid. Yes. But I think it should be less nightmarish to stop him. I, I think it is too good right now. It's too easy to do on a, like, public random matchmaking skill level. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, like, I hadn't played Axe in, God, like, 200 hours of Dota. And I played a game of Axe where I bought two stout shields and cut the lane and I fucking destroyed them and I didn't have any fucking idea what I was doing it's just they couldn't do anything about me because it takes such like unless you have specific counter picks to axe unless both of them are ranged (laughs) it takes such coordination and it's just it's just ridiculous yeah and then you have to do it while the enemy creeps are like sieging your tower to make your to- which makes your tower unsafe because Axe is once again cutting your fucking lane. Yeah. Yeah, so changes to make that less viable would be like honestly, I don't know why stout shields stack to begin with. I think you could probably just make it not. Yeah. Because when is that ever a thing you do unless you're planning to do that specific strategy? Precisely. Any other, like, I would love to see Alchemist get a buff, for instance, but I don't have any real ideas. I mean, I think you could just buff his base numbers. I think it's, yeah. like I don't think his problem is any of his abilities. I just think his his numbers aren't good enough to compete in the current meta game. I mean, he's a hero based around like racing to get gold as fast as possible. But with his current numbers, that just means that there is a very small window in which he's a he's a powerful carry, and then he just gets drowned out because, like, for example, one of his spell slots is dedicated to getting money and nothing else. So yeah, I think. Yeah, I I don't think, I don't think that that's. Uh, yeah, I, I just think maybe if he could scale a bit better, not a lot better, just a bit better. I've seen some really, really crazy ideas for alchemist agonims that are just like crazy good or crazy terrible, crazy weird. Like one of the things. Last last week we did our idea for a Aghanims for Night Stalker, and we're probably going to pretty regularly try and suggest Aghanims for characters. We'll have one later in this episode. But one of the things that a lot of people like to do with Aghanims is just do something that is so mechanically complex that it's just absurd. Like, there was one that wanted to give Alchemist basically three different forms of chemical rage that you could combine, like, invoker spells. Oh, come on. That's that's it's... so typical of the Dota fanbase, because so often in the Dota fanbase, the idea that complexity is automatically good is thrown around just because Dota is so complex. And I love complexity, but that was just, it's like... You need to do it well, and that's why yeah. Dota is so good, because it's been refined so long that most of the complexity is really good complexity. That makes yeah. sense, and it's, like, just strategically interesting. And the other one I saw is just such a an exception. The other one I saw, basically, is that his agonims wouldn't do anything, except for that when he bought it, 
it was just consumed and the stat buffs were applied to his character without taking up a slot. So you could buy a bunch of agonims so that his farming was actually worth something. That would basically make him infinitely scalable, which makes him one of the fastest farming carriers and also probably in the long run the best carrier. I think that's kind of broken. I think it's kind of broken, but even if you, like, fixed the numbers, I don't like the idea of one character whose Agonims is consumed and no one else's is. Like, part of what makes Agonims, especially on carries, interesting is that you're making a sacrifice, right? Yeah, you're taking up up one item slot that could be a fucking Daedalus or something. Yeah, when you have, like, a Faceless Void who gets Agonims, it's like, no, he's sacrificing either damage or survivability or something in order to have that chronosphere more often and for longer. And that's a major sacrifice. Yes. Yeah, I I think that's the most boring thing you could do. It's just... Yeah, yeah no. It's it's so boring. It's incredibly boring. And I, I mean, like, and I feel like a lot of, like, that one specifically is just made out of a desire to see Alchemist viable again. And I can sympathize. I think Alchemist is a really fun hero. But if you just want to make him statistically better, you can just increase his stats. Exactly. You can just increase his stats by giving him an Agonims that is consumed. We're in agreement. (sighs) Uh, Well, that's... We've been talking about... Do you have any other heroes that you want to see buffed or anything? I mean... Not hugely. Like, I... Balance is important. It's not what I spend a lot of time thinking about. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. People make too big of a deal about it, usually. And there are a few... Yeah, I feel like there are a few heroes that could use some tweaking. Like, Juggernaut... I would like to see Juggernaut tweaked. If you didn't tweak him, that would be fine. But... I think he's probably too good on a competitive level. I'm not sure he's too good on a on a like our skill level. Or maybe that's I, just because I'm bad at him. I think that's because you're bad at him. Like, I I, I haven't, haven't said anything in our games, but you're not the best juggernaut, my friend. I make it work sometimes, and I made it work better in the past, but I forgot how to do it apparently. I guess. I don't know, I'm not one to talk, my juggernaut is garbage, but I've seen some some really terrifying stuff from from pub juggernauts, so I feel like he probably, even on our level, he probably is a little too good. Maybe a little, not that much though. Oh, not massively, not at all. Like, I, I don't know, like, as I said before, like, I have more of a problem with just frustrating interactions, like headshot than I have with him being a bit too good. Mm-hmm. So, we talked a little bit agonyms. This week, we're going to discuss our two separate ideas for an agonyms for Wraith King. Austerian. Um, Which is a name I don't know at all, except for the five minutes after you've said it. Yeah, I... I know the names for most heroes um so i'll let you go first johnny because you didn't seem too excited about yours so maybe the conversation would be shorter well i 
I did come up with a less stupid one, and I've actually forgotten the first two I, I that I mentioned were really bad. This one is just bad, not really bad. Okay. Okay, so... Th- this is gonna sound so stupid out loud. For the, for the listeners, this was not my idea. I, if I if I were, were choosing this, I would not tell myself to come up with an Aghanim's idea because my ideas suck. He chose Wraith King. You asked me to choose a hero. I wouldn't choose to come up with one at all. <laughs> anyway, so my idea is that if you have Aghanim's on him, he wouldn't automatically respawn. But instead, you would be able to. You would have like a time window in which you could time when he would respawn, and uh, uh, in the time until him him respawning, that that slow buff, the slow debuff in the area would be active until he respawns. I like the basic idea. Um, I guess I I I feel like that's not good enough. Um, but I think you could tweak things like maybe. I feel like depending on the situation, it's either too good or not good at all. Because if you can just delay that slow and have it on, sometimes that would just win fights. Well, I mean, one, I think there needs to be like a, sort of an upper limit on how long you can wait. Yes. And one of the things that I would probably like is that if you don't click it, like if you don't use you it, just in, die. you just die. You yeah. just expire. No, I, I, I like that a lot. But I think the other thing you should do is you should increase the slow or make or make it affect other things as well to Possibly. make it worthwhile. It's currently only movement speed, right? Yes. Maybe make it attack speed as well, and you've got yourself a ball game. Though a lesser attack speed yeah, one. Yeah, a lesser. Because if, because it was, if it was, if it was it, as big, it would just be a fucking... It would just beastly. also win every team fight if you, you couldn't kill the Wave King. <laughs> well, I mean, Wraith King wouldn't be there. I mean, that's the thing, is that no, you like are that, that, that's your the thing I mean. Out of the fight. That's the thing oh, I, I mean. Like you, you couldn't kill him because then you just lose. Well, I mean, if he was out, if they're not necessarily their main carry, but possibly their main carry is out of the fight, that could be a big thing. And also, that like one of the things that is done sometimes, and with I think both of our agonims knowing that what mine is would be more of a thing, is killing a wraith king just to pop his ult and then getting out. Yeah. That would enhance that strategy. Totally. Mine totally would, but we'll get to that. Um Yeah, I don't I don't dislike that idea. I um I think it works more for Wraith Kings who are playing sort of off carry. Yes, definitely. But you see a lot of Wraith Kings doing that lately, so. Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, I mean, many Wraith Kings are already like playing in a way that's like, no, it's okay if I die early, I die in the middle of the fight, and honestly, that might be the plan because then we get to slow as well, and I get all my health back, and I can keep hitting things. Oh God, my idea is gonna scare the shit out of you. Sure. Okay. So my I, my idea doesn't let him delay his respawn, doesn't make him give any extra debuffs except for one whoever kills wraith king gets a debuff on him basically like you know traitor to the throne kind of thing and if within a couple of seconds of wraith wraith king respawning or while he's dead that character is killed his ultimate does not have a cooldown it is refreshed the part I don't like here is that when you have multiple people hitting on Wraith King, it is so hard to control who gets the final hit. 
Well, then you need to work on that. Then that you but need to adjust your strategy. I just think that... Okay, so imagine if someone doesn't do that. Imagine if the enemy team doesn't adjust their strategy for it. And just every time Brave King dies, it's completely, basically completely random who gets the debuff. Would that mm-hmm. be fun for either team? I think it's I think it's certainly fun for Wraith King's team rushing to kill that one very specific person so that Wraith King can stick around. I think that's a great time for them. For the other team, I think if you, assuming you itemize at all smartly, there's a mad scramble to use four staffs and blink daggers and whatever you've got to get that person the fuck out. Yeah. And I think that part's cool. I just... I just, I'm just imagining the random factor of it, and just, I imagine I would find that really frustrating. If you could find a way to make that more controlled, maybe, perhaps, the person who dealt the most damage to him during a period. I could totally get behind that. Or Let's something that. to that effect. I mean, that gets back to something we've spoken of recently. Um, this podcast is going a little long, um, that's but that's fine. fine. As, we, um, as long as we have things to say. It goes back to something we have had a conversation about lately, which is both how gold is distributed for kills and how kills are calculated. It's just not very interesting. Like, I can see that sometimes there is strategy to, like, you know, your carry did 99% of the damage, but your your support through in one right click just to try and make sure that something went right and they got the kill and thus the carry gets no gold. I can see sometimes the tactical interest of that, but more often than not, it's just stupid. Yeah, I think that I think that the that w- the game would be ve- very well served if we started walking that back. You couldn't just remove it, of course, because because the old balance would just get thrown out the window immediately. Yeah. But if successively, through patching, we made that less of a factor, I would be really, really happy. And the other thing is something that Aoi2000 has spoken above again in that, that podcast, and something that I have noticed in my games, which is that the five spots on any team are just so screwed for gold all the time. The the thing... That's true, but the thing that really struck me that he said, and that I hadn't really thought about before, was that the times when you as a support end up getting a lot of gold is if you're behind and then get ahead. Yeah. Because the only way to really get rich as a support is to get comeback gold. Yeah, and that's I, kind of fucked. The, the few times I... I hadn't thought about it, but the few times that I have gotten a lot of gold, I I usually play supports. And the few times that I have gotten, like, a significant quantity of gold is when we were losing and we were about to get a big kill and they almost got away and I, like, rushed in and made sure they didn't, right? Like, yeah playing shadow demon that happened that happens to me a lot it's like oh no they're gonna get away and then i trigger my shadow poison and they pop like a pinata and i suddenly have a ton of money yeah totally and i i I... yeah i think that's really really fucked just a comeback goal doesn't have that much of a an effect on carries at least in organized teams where carries get most of the lost hits as it is Mm mm-hmm 
But for supports, that's the difference between being like the the guy who has boots and wards and the guy who has boots, wards, yules and uh, mech. Like and and pro teams are a lot better at optimizing their farm. Obviously, yes, they're a lot better at using the jungle and making sure supports get a little bit of time in lane to get some farm. But like, and I do think it's worthwhile to balance around the pro scene to a major extent. Yes. But you do need to make the game work for other players. And finishing a game as an Earthshaker where I have arcanes and a gem and nothing else and we won the game is a little ridiculous. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree. I'll totally agree with that. So, I mean, and when supports get more gold, at like, overall, I feel like that just makes the game more exciting. I'll agree with that. I mean, I think if I were to lay out where, what I think is important to preserve about the current system, I think you want to encourage supports to not to die a lot, still. Yeah. But you need to, like... You need to reward them for getting their carries kills. Yeah. And you don't need to get give them as much gold, perhaps. And, I mean, as stated, such a change will completely break the game as it is now. Mm-hmm. But I think you need to do more to enable supports to do their job while just getting their carry skills. Because it's fucked that in some situations where I'm the carry, I've seen a support get a lost hit, and I look at his items and go, honestly, he needs it more. If he gets an item so he stops dying in fights all the time, that will help our team more than me getting a bit more gold. Yeah, I played a game recently, in fact, I believe it was yesterday, where I was playing a bad and su- supporting a storm spirit, and I was just I was just the Storm Spirit babysitter. All I did was heal and shield the fuck out of that guy. And he got out of control. I believe he ended the game with 39 kills. Like, he was destroying. And halfway through the game, he started buying wards for me. Because I had no fucking money. And he had all the money. And he's just like, I mean, I could save up for rapier. Or I could try and grant our team some vision. Because our support is getting no money despite doing their job. That yeah. was a particularly extreme example, I'll grant you, but... The one... They made a change a while ago where they increased the passive gold rate. Mm-hmm. And that's been a very controversial change. Because people are like, oh, well, it's way too common for people to just get maxed out and whatever. And, you know, I kind of agree with that. But despite that, I like that change because it just makes makes the life of a support a bit easier. It does. I mean... It's a topic we will shoulder for the ne- We will shelve, excuse me, for the next podcast, because it is a long topic. Yeah. But particularly late game, like very late game, two hours in, let's say, Dota turns into a bizarre monstrosity. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. And probably at some point we should do something about that. Yeah. It's not quite Breaking Madden levels of broken. I don't know if you've but read those articles, but... I've I've read a few. But it's pretty broken. <laughs> well, and the thing about Breaking Madden is, at the end of the day, it's not for millions of dollars. 
It's not, and it's also like you don't get the game to behave like that without specifically make specifically creating the conditions to break it for that mm-hmm. purpose. In Dota, that just sometimes happens. Yeah. For those not aware, Breaking Madden is a series of articles where a sports writer deliberately creates a a match in Madden that is so one-sided that the game creates numbers bigger than the game is designed to handle and just starts breaking at the seams in really hilarious ways. If you're if you're into this stuff at all, if you're into watching video games bizarrely Break even a unravel little. themselves, that is, that is some of it's... the best shit you could be reading. Every time, and he does one of these yearly. Every time that happens, I'm just crying with laughter. It's incredible. It's fantastic. Well, I think that's probably going to be it for us. Um, it, this has been the uh, Bottle Crow. A, a, this has been Bottle Crow, a Dota 2 podcast. Um, you can find us on uh, the Score Attack YouTube channel. Um, you'll just have to search Score Attack, and it should be the first uh, channel result. We'll also post on scanlinemedia.com. Uh, I am at 6264 on Twitter. Johnny is at Johnny Warp Zone. Bottle Crow is at Bottle Crow. We have an RSS feed that you should be able to find from both the uh, YouTube and from Scanline Media. We're thinking about trying to figure out some kind of iTunes solution. Um, I can I can deal with that. That's not hard. Excellent. So we'll get ourselves on iTunes. Um, we are not getting any money for this, obviously. And we are not super famous, obviously. So anytime you, if you like what you hear, you tell a friend, you share it. It's the only way we're going to get better. It's the only way we're going to get bigger. And uh, we're delighted to have you listening. If you're still listening after that horrendous first episode. I don't know if this one was much better, but... I think this was much better, but... All right. We still have room to improve. Always. That's that's the theme of Dota, my friend. That's the theme theme of life, man. Oh, I don't know, man. (laughs) (laughs) I wish... All right. Well, well, this look has, at you, Mister Perfect. This is uh, this is Colin Detmar and uh, Johnny. You, you can say something. No. Bye, everyone. Bye. Uh, I'm Colin Detmar, here with uh, my good friend. Hello, I'm Johnny Niska. I don't know where I put the, why I put a punctuation mark in between my first and last name, but apparently that's something I do sometimes. Well, you know, we all know you're awkward, Johnny. It's okay. Is <sighs> it? Is it though? We'll Let's let, make this we'll as awkward as possible. We, you know we what? Are we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna restart this because <laughs> that is so fucking bad. Uh, wow. Yep. Not using that. Don't don't delete the recording. <laughs> I want to save that just for right. reasons. <laughs> that's that's fine. 
Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bottle Crow, a Dota 2 podcast. My name is Colin Detmar of Scanline Media, and I'm here with Johnny Niska of Score Attack. Hello. I guess I, guess I don't get to introduce myself now. Well, you've, you've proved yourself in the past, in the unrecorded past, unreliable. So I'll just take care of it. In the, in the alternate non-canon universe. Uh, besides, you're a Dota 1 player. You can't trust Dota 1 players. <laughs> 